Welcome to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. Hear and learn through the success of others how to build the life and business you deserve. Learn to overcome failure, what it means to seek out growth, and how to become the best possible version of yourself. And now, here's your host, coach, entrepreneur, husband and father, and author of the number one best-selling book, Survive, Scale, Soar, Jeremy Williams. And welcome back to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. Before we get into the show, just a quick reminder, this show comes in two formats. It's real talk where it's just me and the mic talking about things that are happening in this world and how they can impact your business. And then there's success talks where I have the honor and the privilege to interview people at the top of their respected industries, and they share with you what makes them successful. And today is a success talk. Honored to have on the show, Corey Harlock. He's a principal consultant at Key Hire. And Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Corey, you're a man that understands the importance of hiring talent and building out building out teams. Uh, give me a little background in how you got started in this business. Yeah, so the the 30,000 foot views, I'm a... I'm a um, my first life, I was in hospitality for years and years and years. When I decided to get out of hospitality, I thought recruiting was um, in my set of skills, you know, my particular set of skills. So I uh, started, I got into agency recruiting and I did it for a number of years and that was up in Canada. I'll be speaking Canadian throughout this whole uh, conversation, if you're okay with that. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get a translator, but I think we'll yeah, you'll might need subtitles. <laughs> you'll need some subtitles down there. Uh, but um, <clears throat> so... I did it and, and had a good deal of success and, and got in with an agency and partnered with the owner of that agency and we did some cool stuff, but I never really liked that pay to play model. And then when we moved here uh, from Calgary down to Houston, because of my wife, she was in oil and gas at the time. So I kind of closed the door on my agent's little agent, boutique agency I had up in Canada, came down here and joined another agency. But in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, there's got to be a different way to do this. And being an, a scrappy bootstrap and entrepreneur myself, you know, I wanted to come up with a, a resource or um, for small business owners, something that was dialed into small business owners. And so through, you know, I'm a Vistage member and through uh, the people at Vistage and the people in my group and friends and family and all that good stuff. Uh, we built out Key Hire with, with kind of the vision to serve small business owners, but also find a pricing model that was fair and equitable for both sides and was a, a partnership. Um, you know, we really wanted to make sure we were partnering with them and, and providing them more than they needed because you know, these are our leaders of tomorrow. These are our Fortune 500s of tomorrow. And, and there's just really a glut there in terms of what's available to these hardworking people that are sacrificing time with their family. They're sacrificing, you know, seeing their, their kids' sporting events, their long weekends, their holidays. And it feels like, you know, sometimes they just don't have enough resources to get over the hump. They're kind of left to, you know, the strong will survive. We want to kind of level the play, playing field for them a little bit. So I know a big target for you is, is small business owners between five and 25 million. And those yeah. are listening to the show today. 
Yeah. What is typically the first thing that triggers someone in their organization to say, you know what, we need to go out and connect with somebody like key hire. What's that initial trigger? So we're, we've, the research we've done, we found there are a few. And so small bit, we've, we, what we now understand is small business owners an umbrella term. And we've gone in and kind of identified five owner, what we call our key owner stages within that small business. And so the triggers could be um, different. And if, if you want, I can just kind of give you the 30,000 foot overview, what those key owner stages and see if they resonate with any of the listeners. But um, so, you know, we don't, comp- we're not agency. We don't compete with all that stuff. What we do is work with small business owners who are, you know, we compete against the DIY, uh, DIY business owner who's trying to do their own hiring. So the first kind of stage we've identified is that overwhelmed business owner, right? This is like uh, we short, short and sweet. The wheels have fallen off the machine, right? It's they've hired their friends, they've hired their relatives, they've hired the neighbors of their relatives, and and they're good people doing the best job they can, and they become a victim of their own success, right? The business has outgrown the ability of the people in it and everyone's kind of trying to do everything and their only input is time. So they're like, all we can do is work longer and harder to try to grow this thing. Right. So, you know, they're that overwhelmed business owner where they're probably most of their leaders and their um, prospective departments are underqualified or overwhelmed or the business is bigger than what they can do. Then the next stage we have is that unsure business owner. So these are like wobbly wheels. Um, so they might have uh, know they have a problem in their business. Like why aren't isn't operations delivering the way they used to, but they can't put their finger on it, right? They're still like, you know, that person is a long-term employee. They used to be doing great. And I don't understand what's happening. So they kind of have questions and they, they want to know, you know, what's going on with my people? What has gone so wrong here? And then the, the third stage is what we we call curious. And these are the business owners where, you know, you might have a flat tire. This is where they've identified a problem and they're curious about it. So they might say, you know, that my director of sales used to be doing great. They're not doing great. I know where my problem is here. I don't know if they're the right person to take me where I want to go. I'm curious. I want to investigate that. I'd like to have someone come out from the inside and maybe give me their point of view or an assessment or what is what's happening there. And then the next stage we have is the growing company. So these are the people that they have good people in place, they're growing and we just need to upgrade that leadership and they're aware of it right now. They're, they have a sense of awareness. They know what good looks like. And they're saying, okay, my director of ops is crushing it. My director of sales is struggling. Let's go in and find some help for this director of sales or hire someone above them or upgrade that role or get them the support they need. Then the fifth stage, uh, they've moved right into strategic. They know what they need. Just go out and fill the holes for me. We need to keep rocking and rolling. We, we, we have a handle on exactly what we need. Now we just need someone tactically to, to fill in the holes as we're growing. So those are kind of the, the um, you know, if you look in the in the, the wheel reference, we go from the wheels of falling off to the wobbly wheel to the flat tire to the upgrading the wheels, right? We're putting low profiles on the machine now when we're in the growing stage. And then once we get to strategic, we're like adding wheels to the machine because the machine's getting bigger and going faster. 
Yeah, with the the flat tires or the kind of the wobbly wheels, have you found that sometimes they have the people? Maybe they're just on the wrong seat on the bus. That can happen, but generally, as the business grows, um, and I, and I always preface this: these are good people doing great, this the best work they can. But there's this. Um, there comes a point in when, as a business grows, where the the business will eventually outgrow at least some, if not all, of the experience of the people in that business, and and that's that that's that hard stop where where owners really start feeling it. They start having questions about what's going on. Why aren't we delivering? Well, you're running a ten million dollar business on a $5 million process, right? And that process is getting ready to bust and it just can't handle it. And no fault of the individuals in the business, but they don't have the capacity or the experience to look beyond where they are into the future and build out the processes and procedures that are required for that business to grow. So when we come in, we often say, we're not hiring someone to run your $10 million a year business. We're hiring someone to run your $50 million a year business, currently doing 10. And when you make that shift, right, that's what we do essentially in a nutshell is we put, we build your organization struck like on paper and with people to facilitate that growth. And that's kind of where we come in. So yeah, often, Sometimes there is someone sitting in a seat and you're, you say, yes, that person is right there, ready to go. They have great ideas. They have the experience we need. In our experience, oftentimes when a business owner has gone out and, and hired that big ticket person, maybe they failed to do the, the, the pre-work and they got someone who looked great and then they're disappointed because they hired they tried to hire one person to solve all their problems, right? And it's you got to eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? It's not instant relief. It's gradual relief. Um, so I think that's true that there, there could be people in the organization who might be in the wrong seat or might not being, they might not have enough uh, responsibility. But oftentimes it's just people are overwhelmed and we, we need to get them some help. What, what type of mindset, because a lot of this falls back on the leader, right? The right, leader organization. What type of mindset should a leader have to, to begin to recognize some of these things happening within their organization? That's that's a great question. And the, the word and what I look for in a leader when I'm going to work with them is one word I look for, and it's humility. Uh, they have to be able to pull back and say, Man, I, I know my business inside me. I, I get it. And they do because they're passionate about what they do. Um, I have, I used to golf. I, I'm an aspiring golfer. I have young kids. So I, my Uber shift starts after, after my work shift, you know, shuttling kids all over town. Um, but I hit tens of thousands of golf balls. It doesn't mean I can be a golf, I can be an instructor, a golf instructor. Right. I've hit tens of thousands of golf balls, but I've hit them all wrong. And these business owners have started these business because they have a passion 
and hiring is a unintended consequence of starting that business and they've hired. But just because they've hired a lot of people doesn't mean they're great at it. It means they've hired people just like I've hit golf balls. Um, and so under having a business owner that can understand what an amazing leader with capacity looks like and having the humility to, and I, I say this with the caveat, that person has to earn the trust and respect of the owner, right? It's not day one, take my business and do what you want with it. It's a partnership and they, and they have to go through that kind of those relationship stages as they go. But, uh, but working towards having the humility to step back and say, man, this person understands how to run a manufacturing facility better than I do. So I'm going to let them do what they do because in the, at the end of the day, I get to work less. My business has more capacity and we're all going to be better served by that. We're all going to be in a better position um, to take care of ourselves and our families. That's, that's what it takes, you know, for, for someone to be able to step back and say, let's see what this individual can bring to the table. And if they have the jam I need, turn them loose and let them do what they do. So what I'm hearing is a, a leader that's got a big ego and maybe lacks humility. They're going to be the ones that find themselves struggling with, with hiring and maintaining that talent. That could be the case. Um, you know, unless you can crack that nut. Right. Um, and, and, and I've seen that happen. Uh, it's, it's, it's not the majority, right. Uh, but it has happened. Yeah, I mean, you you if if you want if you want to hire people with amazing experience that come from bigger companies that understand how to build capacity into your business and tell them how to do their save save your money, right? Because you're not going to be happy and they're not going to be happy, and that's that's a recipe for a short term relationship. Uh, when it comes to bringing in talent, we deal in probabilities. Our key hire's job is to build out the process and what we call our action plan to maximize the probability of a successful relationship. And in any relationship to be successful long-term, both sides have to, there has to be mutual respect and there has to be give and take. And hiring ultra talented people and saying, hey, I love your experience, now do it my way kind of defeats the purpose of bringing in that talent. Yeah, there's there's a big, big issue where they've you got to trust one another. And I heard you say that earlier. Trust uh, is huge. I, I think trust, trust is the overriding uh, um, ingredient. And then uh, humility would be, you know, one B. <laughs> so as as a consultant with, with your company, is it Sometimes do you find yourself being that person, you know, sometimes we're, we're stuck in the forest, right? We can't see outside of the forest and you're, you're coming at it at 30,000 feet, right? Is it, is it your job as a consultant sometimes to help that leader see the potential opportunities of bringing in talent and maybe, you know, stepping back and allowing some of that talent to flourish? Yeah, hundred percent. That's a big part of what we do. So when we come in, we spend a lot of time up front getting, uh, we like to say we want to understand the business almost as well as the owner does. And so we want to understand their people. We want to talk to people. We want to hear what's going on um, because it helps us put the puzzle together. And yeah, we've recommended uh, shifting seats or 
Um, you might have a problem here. You might have a constraint here. Uh, it could be any number of things. And it's hard uh, for an owner who's, who's given blood, sweat and tears building their business. And they've hired people who are, have been great employees and done their best. And, and I say this all the time, the hardest decision a business, small business owner will ever make, bar none, is going to that employee that's been with them for five, 10 years and giving them everything they've had and saying, man, you have been a loyal and good soldier for me. And thank you for getting me here. But I don't think you can get me there and having to have that conversation. So it's, it's tough for them. And I get that. I understand that. And it's also tough for them to bring someone in over that person who they have a lot of loyalty to. So that's kind of always the first step. It's, it's respecting those relationships, respecting the people, the work, you know, I'm the respect for the, the employer and the employee is something that we, we balance all the time. Um, this whole, well, we'll just hire them. If they don't work out, we'll just fire them and hire someone else. That um, that doesn't work for us the way we do things, right? These uh, We're dealing with people who have marriages and mortgages and kids in school and stuff going on. And we're It's a all, huge cost to the business as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and that gets factored in, but on we got to look at the human side too, right? Like we got people that are trying to live their lives and, and, and I see it as our duty to make sure, again, we go back to maximizing the probability of success with no, nothing is throwaway in, in our process or procedure or our thought process. Like that's, that's not an option. And we get, sometimes things don't work out. We deal with humans and, and stuff happens. Right. But, um, when we start building, especially when we initially go in and we're trying to make that first change in the business, regardless of what key owner stage they're at. Um, but generally, if they're overwhelmed or they're the unsure and they're in that curious category, we are going to potentially upset the apple cart by bringing someone in who who has bigger and more experience than most people do in the business. And integrating that person into the business becomes super important. How are we going to do this? Why are we doing this? What are the expectations? Um, and, and not only having that conversation with the, the business owner, but having that conversation with the person coming in, you know, look at there, there's a lot of people in this business that are great people doing the best job they can. They just don't have the experience you have. So we got to understand that, right? You can't come in with a, with a, a mindset or, or, a view of what have you been doing? This isn't how you run a business because they have been running the business that way and they've had success. In fact, they've had so much success that the way they were doing it doesn't work anymore, right? So we need you to help us co correct it and get us back on track. And then that's kind of where that relationship between the business owner and this kind of experienced leader starts to, to, to if we get it right, not only does the business improve, but the business owner then, and I've asked a, a lot of my business owners this question, since we put like this really um, good, well-matched, highly experienced leader into your business, has that changed your definition of what a good employee looks like? And 
they're all like, yes, right? Once they see that kind of um, pro-level talent, right? We call them, like once you put a professional into your business and, and see it, if you get it right and you see the impact of the culture, of the morale, of the productivity, of the quality, of the safety, whatever they, they are in charge of, you start saying, oh, if I get more professionals in my business, man, we can do great things and I can reach my goals. It might be to have dinner with my family every Friday. It might be to take a long weekend off every quarter. It could be to go to my summer house for two months every summer. If that, whatever their goal is to, to make $30 million in revenue, whatever their goals are, we can get them there. Uh, they just, once they get over that hump of, oh, a profession, the right professional in their role can be a game changer for me. That's when we have them and that's when we really start rolling and, and can do great things. It's, it's raising the standard, right? And them now having, yeah. you know, they, they were kind of almost complacent and now they see, and yeah, it's like they're blind and now they see and this new standard has, has arisen yeah. in their company and their company could be completely changes. Yeah. And, and I would, I would, complacent is, I don't know that they're complacent. Uh, I just don't know. They understand what's on the other side. Right. Um, it's like, I don't, they're not like, oh, this is good enough, just status quo. I think they're just kind of like you brought, said earlier, forced through the trees. They've just been in it for so long. They haven't had a chance to get their head up and take a breath and see what's what's down the road, right? And we kind of bring that into focus for them a little quicker or uh, more intentionally than they may have done in the past. I love this conversation. I, I know you work with the, the five to 25 million is kind of your target, but there's yeah. also people that listen to this podcast. They might be a solopreneur. They yeah. might make a hundred thousand dollars a year or less. Yeah. Uh, they're in a place where maybe they're feeling the struggles and, and it's really, they've, they can't grow anymore. They're just one person. What, what would be a first step for those guys to start looking for talent? Where, where do they go? Well, I, I, and, I think that I don't know that they would be looking for like a W-2 employee, right? Or if they are, or they might be looking for a 1099. But um, obviously you want to look at the stuff you're not good at or that's a time suck for you, right? Like personally, me, I, my marketing, I have a great marketing guy who takes care of all that uh, because I kind of like doing it, but I'm not really good at it. And then I get bored with it. So it's you, you go through these fits and starts, right? You need some consistency there. So I've, I've engaged them to do that. Um, but if you if if you're kind of a solopreneur and you're looking to grow, you don't need. So what I would caution against is throwing a job up on a job board. Um, the best people for you for any business aren't hanging out on you know fill in job board name here, hoping that you're going to post the job. Um, so my the challenge with job boards, and, and it goes back to any business owner, if you had a process in your business where 90% of your time input was wasted time, what would you do with that process? You would either get rid of it or at least have a really hard look at it and say, what's wrong with this process? But when it comes to hiring or recruiting, that's the norm. You post a job on a job board and 90% of your time is saying, nope, nope, nope. Nope, nope. You spend an hour a day frustrated because the great thing about job boards is it makes it easy for people to apply. 
And the worst thing about job boards is it makes it really easy for people to apply. So you get people with the wrong experience, the wrong zip code, the wrong everything, right? And you spend most of your time weeding out the bad candidates. And that process, you know, we talk about maximizing probabilities with our process, but that process sets you up to hire the best of the worst candidates. By the time you get through that process, and if you don't understand how to hire, the people that are left clamoring for your opportunity are generally the best of the worst. And so we always want to set up to be best of the best. So you, you talked about a solopreneur, networking, asking the people you know, like, and trust, I need someone to do this. Um, but before you do that, sit down and bang out six or eight bullets of what you need. Then take those six or eight bullets to anyone, someone, anyone, and say, does this sound like an actual real job to you? Because what will happen is people will look at all of their needs and they'll say, well, I need two things over here and two things over here and two things over here. And they've taken three jobs and try to smush them into one. And I'm just hire someone to do this. And there's just no one who's good at all of those things. So we need to get alignment in the duties. If you're going to hire someone, hire an expert, hire a professional in a specific area. Once you're kind of aligned and you know what you're hiring for a solopreneur, just start talking to your network. Send an email to everyone you know, like, trust, and respect and say, hey, I'm looking to hire someone to do this in my business. Is there anyone you would recommend? And then when you talk to them, ask them about those six bullet points you have. What is your experience in these six bullets? And if they, if they kind of meet 80% of what you have on paper, they're probably a good fit. If they're less than 80%, you have to have the courage to say, man, I really like this person. I'd love to work with them. I think they could bring a lot to my business. They just don't bring out a lot of the right stuff to my business. And hey, it's been great talking to you. Let's keep in touch. I don't, I wouldn't want to kind of do this. I don't, the expectation is going to be pretty high. And I don't know that, you know, you will, I'll be able to meet your expectation and you'll be able to meet mine. So let's talk down the road, but you have to have that kind of um, confidence and you have to have that um, ability to know when it's not close enough if you're going to go through the process, get what you're looking for close enough that isn't good enough, right? Maximize the probability of it being the right hire by making, we call them 80 percenters, right? If you are if you have 80% or more of what we're looking for, we'll keep talking. If you don't, we'll, we'll let you know right away. It's just, um, and we'll be honest with you why, because everyone deserves to get that feedback. And it, it's not a good or a bad thing. It just means their experience doesn't align with the job we're looking to fill, right? It doesn't mean it's a growth opportunity. I, I think for them as well, it might be a couple of areas they need to go back and work on. So for sure. Yeah. If, if they want to do that or whatever, I mean, it, it could be just what you do and what we want, we're looking to have done just don't align. And if you love doing that stuff, then don't take this job because only 50% of your day is going to be doing the stuff you love. The other 50% of your day is going to be doing stuff you don't care about. And that's, that. That's not fair to you either, right? Go find something where you're going to get, you're going to leverage, be able to leverage all your skills and abilities. It's not a personal thing. It's not a winning thing. It's just, we got, we got to find the right fit. I love this. Or you've, you've given so much information today and, and I really appreciate it. And I know the listeners on the other end, there's, there are so many nuggets you can take away 
from this conversation and, and go back and, and make it applicable to, to your business. Uh, Corey, how do people, if they want to learn more about Key Hire, how do they get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah. My email is simple. It's Corey at, at symbol, Key Hire, one word, uh, K-E-Y-H-I-I-R-E dot solutions. So my domain is solutions. It's not dot solutions.com. Nope. Corey at keyhire.solutions. Keyhire.solutions is the website. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. We have our LinkedIn uh, page on link, uh, there as well. So if you just type in Keyhire, I'm sure you'll get our page. I'm sure you'll see me. But uh, And on our website, we have a free consultation. So uh, if anyone has any questions, they want to walk through stuff, and you know, we're a help first organization. There's no sales. There's no weirdness. Just book some time and we'll, we'll talk to you. And if you like what you hear and, and you think we can help you, we can talk about working together. But if we can give you the tools you need to go out and do it yourself, we're happy to do that too. Corey, thank you again for your time today and, and really appreciate you coming on. This is uh, Corey Harlock with eHire. So if you're looking to grow your business and you're in that five to $25 million range, looking to, to acquire talent to come onto your team, give Corey a call. I know he can help you. Thank you, sir. All right. Until next time, onward and upward. Thank you for listening to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. If you heard something that made a difference in your life today, share it with someone that might benefit and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Learn more about the host of this podcast and coaching services offered by Red Hawk Coaching by visiting www.redhawkcoaching.com.